1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Joseph Goodwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're going to be talking about breast cancer prevention. It is October and now you'll start to see pink ribbons around uh, around in the stores and on people's social media profiles and lots of different places because it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, I think it's important to remember that Breast cancer awareness and cancer awareness in general is something that we should be thinking about every single day and the things that we uh, we do. But it is a good time to uh, highlight breast cancer awareness with it being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we're going to be talking with Dr. Fiona Lewis, who is a registered dietitian and doctor of public health, um, on some different things that we can do with our lifestyle to help to prevent breast cancer. We're having a little bit um, a little bit of technical issues this Monday morning on getting her on but we'll get her on in just a few minutes. before, before we get to her, uh, I want to give you our numbers again our number is 1 1877 MPB ring. That's 18776727464. Our email is fit at mpbonline.org. And you can always go over to Facebook, and uh, my Facebook is Healthy Habits with Josie, and you can interact with me over there. Um, you can drop your questions or your comments, or you can send me things um, through, you know, through private message if you don't want to be on the air, and that's fine. Um, it's a great way to get in touch with, with us when we're not on the air. So getting back to breast cancer awareness and some of the things that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about some things we can do from a lifestyle perspective. In particular, with, with Dr. Lewis, we will talk about diet and some of the dietary strategies that we can do, but we'll also highlight some of the other things like um, exercise and how that plays into it, um, sleep and stress management, and all these other different kinds of things. I think we do have Dr. Lewis on the air with us now. Good morning, Fiona. Good morning, Josie. <laughs> I'm so glad you were able to to get on with it. You know, it's a Monday, and we're always just gonna have a little bit of technical issues on a Monday.
0: Yes, ma'am. And it's uh, a technology kind of world right now, so you know.
2: Yes, yes, happen. it is. We're all getting we're all getting a little bit more used to being virtually connected to each other, but that doesn't mean our technology always likes to play nice, play nice with exactly. us. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I saw um, on your Facebook uh, where you were going to be uh, kind of hosting a virtual kind of breast cancer prevention masterclass and, you know, cooking demo kinds of things. And I knew that we had to get you back on the show to talk about those kinds of things with it being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So briefly tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, your Facebook and those kinds of things where people can find you, and and we'll, then we'll launch into to the breast cancer talk.
0: Sure. So um, I currently am running a culinary nutrition and wellness um, business, and so I have a line of seasonings. Um, it's called Flavor in a Box, and there are four different types of uh, seasoning sets, and so people can visit com to see. Check out the seasonings and um, some of the other offerings that I have there. I have some free downloads as well. Um, and then with the Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, on Thursdays, I do my plant-based food demo um, spotlight. And then uh, two Tuesdays in the month, I do Facebook Live interviews um, with people who are um, either lifestyle medicine professionals or somehow – uh, they're involved with plant-based cooking, eating, um, growing food. So, food and food systems issues. Um, that's what I do my interviews around on Tuesdays. And so, people can catch me on Facebook at um, she did that food seventy seven, and on Instagram it's she, she did that uh, underscore food.
2: Yeah, and you put lots of great content out. And, you know, you've been on the show with us before, so people may recognize your name and know that you're you're a plant-based person, as am I. Um, you're a registered dietitian, uh, so your recommendations come based in the science of, of what is out there in terms of the best nutritional strategies. And you're also a chef, so not only is your food healthy, but it also tastes good. <laughs> You know, that's very important <laughs> with food. You know, we can make super healthy food, but if it doesn't taste good, nobody eats it. So it's important that right. it's flavorful as well as healthy. And yes, that is possible to to achieve healthy food that is flavorful um, and delicious. I think it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, as we talk through some of these things and talk through kind of breast cancer prevention strategies and foods in particular that, that will help with that, we're not saying that you shouldn't continue to see your regular health care provider for breast cancer right, screenings.
0: Right,
2: right, right. Absolutely.
0: You know, please. <laughs> please,
2: please continue to, to do those things, right? As well as, you know, if you have been diagnosed with breast cancer, we're not saying stop whatever treatment you're doing and adopt these nutritional strategies. Um, you know, no, we're not. The way you know, the way we practice healthcare is kind of a, a blend uh, of traditional medicine and then things to help those medicines work better, right? And so Absolutely. we can always help improve our overall health through the things that we eat and our movement and our stress levels and our sleep and all of these different kinds of things. So it's most definitely not an either or situation. It's just a combination of the two. Um, There's no, yeah, I always said there's no miracle food, right? You know, people ask me very, very frequently, what, you know, what food should I eat or what should I add to my diet and, and these other kinds of things. And there are absolutely foods that we want to add into our diet. We know, you know, foods that are rich in antioxidants and fiber right, and all right, these kinds right, of things.
0: Right,
2: but there's no magic, right. no magic bullet per se, right?
0: There isn't. There isn't a magic bullet. And, you know, I've been on the show. Thank you for having me on um, all these yeah. times. And we've always, our conversation always ends up on um, whole food, plant-based eating mm-hmm. as a as a whole so to your point that there isn't a magic bullet, there isn't. But there are lots of foods in the plant um, realm, you know, produce and so on that um, we would focus in. So I guess I would I could start by giving my seven points, and then you know we can kind of work around the points and see which ones you have questions about, or you know which ones we should talk about a little bit more. So of course, because I'm a plant-based Uh, Registered dietitian, but also because you and I both know um, the science behind eating uh, plant foods. The first step would be um, for breast cancer-fighting foods or promoting breast health um, would be to increase um, our intake of whole plant foods, and um, you know, beans, peas, lentils, um, nuts, seeds, herbs, spices. Uh, whole grains, and we could go on and on and we can get into that a little later. <laughs> um, <laughs> replacing, tip number two, to so replace red and processed meats that we could talk about with, with uh, plant-based protein. So replace red and processed meat with plant-based protein. We could talk about why in a little bit. Reduce uh-huh. fat intake, that's tip number three. Tip number four is consider... Um, Soy. Consider soy foods because I think there's still um, some some question around soy foods. And so Mm -hmm. I think um, we probably should talk about that as well. But give soy a chance. The fifth fifth tip is to eliminate alcohol. I know this is going to be controversial, but it is what it is.
2: (laughs) It is what it is. That's right.
0: Right. Um, Tip number six is don't forget the flavor, and I'm referring to herbs and spices. And then tip number seven is to uh, replace dairy and cheese with plant-based alternatives. So those are the seven tips. Whole food plant-based, replace the red meat and the processed meat with uh, plant-based proteins, reduce the fat, give sore a chance, eliminate alcohol, and... um, do forget the flavor and replace the dairy and the cheese with plant-based alternatives. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, you know, I found it very encouraging that when you actually go to, um, you know, the uh, American Cancer Society and you look at the resources that are out there, they do recommend adoption of a plant-based diet um, as yeah. a strategy for our breast health. So it's not just me and you. Um, it's not just kind of people on the on the fringe of oh, uh, nutrition.
1: Say
2: that <laughs> that it, not, it is the, the major
0: fringe workers.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, it is the the major uh, you know major organizations right. that are are recommending a plant-based diet. And we've talked about it before. But you know, plant-based diet does not mean vegan. Um, does not even mean vegetarian. I usually like the word plant-forward or plant-focused. Um you know, yeah. anything that we're we're doing to work on getting more plants into our diet, um, because the more plants we add, then the less of the other things we ultimately take in because plants are very filling. So it's important okay. to you know yeah. think about that concept moving forward. I'm
3: Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
2: for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. Joining me today, I have Dr. Fiona Lewis, who is a registered dietitian and plant-based chef. And we're talking about Breast cancer prevention, breast cancer awareness, in particular, some of the dietary strategies that we can use to help decrease our risk of breast cancer. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 My email is fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and interact with us fair. Uh, Now, Dr. Lewis, um, before the Mm -hmm. break, you gave us some great tips about um, ways to to maybe alter our diet a little bit to help with breast cancer prevention. And the the first thing you mentioned was whole foods. And so what do we mean by whole foods? What is that?
0: So basically that means um, minimally processed um, and even unrefined. So An example of that, the easiest one would be like a whole grain. So um, white pasta versus whole wheat pasta, Uh, white flour versus um, unbleached flour or refined flour. So we're just talking about, you know, foods as we get them from the farms and whatnot, they're going to have to be processed. You know, they have to go through some sort of washing and, um, trimming and whatnot, but um, we're talking about when we remove the nutrients from, when we start stripping away nutrients from from our foods, then it's no longer whole. It's no longer packaged the way nature has packages, packages for us to eat it. So, um, yeah, we're talking about when we start splitting and removing nutrients
4: from our food.
2: Right. And so some processing, and you kind of alluded to that, is necessary, right? Some foods... Right. Um, you know, for, uh, shelf stability to a certain extent right. needs to be processed or for safety reasons, you know, need right. some processing, um, for them there. But, you know, my kind of, of marker is, does it at least resemble what, <laughs> what it started right. out right. as, right? Right. Like, so does um, the black
0: bean in <laughs> the black bean makes It right. look like a black bean?
2: <laughs> right. Mm. And so, um you know if we think about peanuts right so um, peanuts that we get in the shell and we crack them ourselves and eat them those of course would be the kind of least processed of that variety right and then maybe we have uh, peanuts that are in the shell and have been roasted that's a little bit more processing there and then peanut butter would kind of be the the next step to that and then you know like a (laughs) butterfinger would be on the other end of the the spectrum there in that it doesn't (laughs) doesn't look like a peanut um and it doesn't even look like peanut butter so the farther exactly. we can stay to the end where we can still recognize the food that you know that's a, a bonus point there um you know and i think that it stands to reason that we're talking about whole foods in general are going to be better than processed foods even if it's not a plant food right you know Absolutely. so if it's if it's an animal-based product if it's meat right the less processed variety of meat is still going to be healthier for you in terms of heart health and in terms of of cancer prevention, the less messed with it is, right? You know, a steak versus, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a hot dog, those kinds of things. Exactly. Or bacon. Absolutely.
0: I mean, that's a great point. That's so speaking to point two, where we were, where I mentioned um, replacing um, some of the red meats and the processed meats with uh, plant-based protein for that reason because the uh, the processed meats the more you process is the more the, you know likely you have to put in um, some chemicals and some of the chemicals in um, the hot dogs and the other processed meats are carcinogenic they cause cancer they're linked to um, right. increased cancer risk so absolutely so even if somebody was going to do um, like luncheon meat is, um, you know, like the bologna and whatnot. Those are, they have um, more carcinogenic substances than if I did like a, a fresh-cut belly turkey or something like that.
2: So, yeah. Right. And so a lot of times when I'm working with patients and, and they may be resistant to kind of giving up meat, we always meet you where you are, you know, and help build a, mm-hmm. a pattern that, that is, is, you're going to do, right? That's the first right. thing that you feel comfortable right. with that supports health but um you know it may be that we're moving from these processed meats into maybe we bake off a whole bunch of chicken and you know slice that up for our sandwiches and and those kinds of things there um so you know it's not about perfection it's just about about progress and we do have a caller on the line we'll go um and talk with sue in beaumont good morning sue
1: hi i'd like to ask you a question um sure how much do you think extraneous factors like drinking and or smoking or genetic factors have to play in in the breast cancer? And, and all the chemicals are in foods now. There's got to be a lot of
4: things contributing
1: to that, don't you think?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you know, from from my perspective, you know, it's not one thing that is contributing to breast cancer. It's it's multifactorial, right? And so you've got yeah. the things that we eat um, playing a part in that you've got our kind of relatively sedentary lifestyle. So our Mm -hmm. lack of, of exercise and movement that are playing into some of those things. Um, you've got, you know, what stress does to us in terms of, you know, changing hormone levels and those kinds of things. You've absolutely got the genetic component there. So, you know, it's, it's not just one thing you've got the smoking and how that increases risks for other things. Um, uh alcohol you mentioned absolutely you know we're learning more and more about alcohol's contribution to overall health um every day really there's more stuff coming Mm -hmm. in and out about that Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely not just a a one-stop shop like you're not you can't just focus on the food and not address any of the other issues out there what are your thoughts fiona
0: yeah i mean Basically, with any sort of illness, the, the beginning stage is usually inflammation. And there are many, many, as you described, the different factors that contribute to inflammation. Breast cancer is, is no different um, in terms of the multiple factors that will contribute and trigger this inflammation, this inflammatory process that will lead to um, damage of our cells and, um, you know, turning on of, of those, those genes so that gene, those genes are expressed. Um, and just to think about it in terms of genetics, uh, breast cancer is, is pretty much five to ten percent genetics. The rest is actually a lifestyle. Um, and you mentioned those factors, you know, stress. We wouldn't think that stress could contribute, but it can. So um, you know, really, it's it's definitely multiple factors. Um, and that's why it's important for us to adopt a whole a holistic lifestyle. Um, like you said, there's no silver bullet in terms of food. So, um, yeah,
2: it's, it's really encompassing several factors. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for giving us a call this morning, Sue. That really um, was a great point to make, that it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of different factors um, that, that play into not just breast cancer, but Really, the majority of chronic diseases in right. in general, you know right. Um,
4: right.
2: And uh, you know, so we were talking about um, what whole Foods were, and you mentioned whole wheat versus uh, not whole wheat, And I had a question that came in and it said, when you're looking for whole wheat products like whole wheat pasta, is that just in the regular grocery store, or do you have to go on a, a fancy aisle or a fancy store?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. It's in the regular old grocery store. In fact, um, one of my favorite brands, I'm not sure if I'm able to mention store names, but um, <laughs> one of my favorite brands is uh, uh, Great Value. Less Oh, than a like dollar. the Walmart
2: brand. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Less than a dollar. Um, all of, and there are different types of pasta there. You know, there's the pan pasta and then the elbow macaroni and whatnot. And they're all 100% whole grain and um, whole week, and yeah, they're very
2: um, affordable. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, most of the the store brands of those types of things are pretty comparable between stores, you know, the Kroger brand Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. versus uh, the Walmart brand versus uh, Target brand, you know, whatever those brands out there. What's kind of one tip for looking at the label that would let us know, hey, this is a a whole grain product?
0: You said the words already. So you uh, you go down (laughs) to the ingredient list. And the first word on the ingredient list should say whole. If you see whole as as the first word, then you know that you are on um, the right track. So whole wheat, whole oats, whether it's pasta or bread or some other grain product as long as you see the word whole as the first um, word in the ingredient list you are on the right track
2: All Right, and uh one word that'll kind of clue you in that it is probably not a whole grain product is the word enriched, enriched. so if it That's says exactly. enriched wheat flour which a lot of times it will and we go oh look wheat let me get it um that word enriched usually means that it's been processed and some of the things that were naturally occurring in it that we want have been pulled off and then kind of artificially added back in. So it's a little bit more processed of a product, um, from that, that perspective there, um, you know, try out different whole wheat products or different, um, you know, whole wheat pastas, um, and see which ones you like, um, I usually don't even tell my family that it's a whole wheat pasta <laughs> and, <laughs> and they don't even notice, especially if it's like a red sauce that's on it, because it, you know, it kind of coats the, the pasta and you can't right, tell that it's, right. that it's brown. Um, what about those pastas that are like green and red and all those other kinds of things? Are those a healthier pasta than a regular pasta or is that just um, clever marketing?
0: Um, for the most part, I would say it's clever marketing because usually, um, if, usually they'll still say enriched. So number one, yes. um, the ingredient list, you still look at the ingredient list, and if, no matter what color it is, it can be the rainbow. If it's still <laughs> um, said enriched as the first ingredient, ingredient in the ingredient list, then it's definitely not um, a, a whole, whole product. So, um, def, you know, what they will do is add plant pigments. So they'll add um, beet, you know, beet juice or, or some spinach to give it some color, um, spinach pigment to give it some green color. Um, and it's called spinach pasta or whatever fancy right. word. But at the end of the day, if, if it's not, it's a grain product. So it should be a whole grain. Um, and if it's not a whole grain, then um, it's second best.
2: Right, right. So a lot of times, you know, you will see it labeled as spinach pasta or something like that. Um, and you'll look and you may see carrot juice or beet juice or spinach juice or, you right, know, something like right. that um, in it. And, you know, usually um, your pasta is not where you're looking to get your vegetable content from. God, um, because <laughs> right you know you should look to get your vegetables from vegetables and so you know that wouldn't really count as a serving of vegetables um, and usually the vegetable content of it is going to be kind of canceled out by the fact that it's usually a, a white flour based um, pasta in, in that sense so it you know it's definitely not something that um, is necessarily healthier um, just because it's fancy colors Um, now that's a little bit different than some of the the uh, lentil pastas that are out there and those kinds of things because the first ingredient on them is a is a lentil um, or a chickpea or something like that which is a good source of plant-based protein
3: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Fiona Lewis, and we're talking about lifestyle as it relates to breast cancer risk and prevention. In particular, we've been talking about dietary strategies to help with that, always keeping in mind that there's no magic bullet that you can do kind of everything right in terms of prevention and, mm-hmm. you know, still have uh, a chance of breast cancer. So it's always important to continue your annual screenings with your healthcare provider as well as your monthly Um, self breast exams as well. Uh, Before we went on the break, we kind of went through what it means to be uh, a whole food, um, whether that be a whole food from a plant source or a whole food from uh, an animal source, but that the less messed with the, the better, so to speak, regardless of whether it's animal or a plant. But uh, you are a plant-based chef and a plant-based dietitian. And, you know, we know the science behind uh, plant proteins versus animal proteins. And so I know one of your tips for uh, reducing your risk of breast cancer is replacing those processed and those red meats with plant-based proteins. And why is that?
0: So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so number one, the saturated fat. So um, increased uh, higher fat intakes um, actually in- increases the risk. There, uh, it's linked to increased risk for breast cancer, especially uh, saturated fat. Um, higher fat intakes are also um, likely someone is going to have increased body weight. Increased body weight is also uh, linked to increased risk uh, for breast cancer. So a, a couple of other things. Um, depending on how we, we cook our, our meat and even fish, um, mm-hmm. you know, smoked, fried, um, grilling, a lot of grilling and charring, those processes in the cooking methods will actually um, increase the amount of carcinogenic substances that are formed in those foods depending on the way we cook them. So to your Mm -hmm. point that we don't necessarily, you know, if somebody is not ready to leave the uh, red meat alone, um, at least consider how um, you're going to prepare your red meat so that it's not a lot of smoked meat, it's not a lot of uh, grilling and charring, and it's not a lot of high frying, um, high-temperature cooking um, right. foods, so even fish. So this is not yeah. just red meat, this is also even fish. Um, yeah, any
2: animal protein, it can, it can just be changed and, and increased in that carcinogen content, especially if high heat is applied to it. Right, right.
0: So it's, it's a matter of um, how it's cooked. It's a matter of also the fat content. And um, you know, in some places, I've read that there are traces of um, hormones as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, right. just to be, go
2: ahead. Oh, so we've got a caller. So I was going to hop on over oh, to okay. our caller and talk with her before we go down okay. the go down the weeds of what plant-based proteins are. We're going to talk with Barbara mm-hmm. in Gulfport. Good morning, Barbara.
1: Uh, good morning. Uh, this is uh, a question that I've been wanting to ask for a while. It's not got to okay. do with uh, breast cancer, but I wanted to ask if we're talking about the meats like that, that I have mm-hmm. three great grandchildren, especially two that I think the only thing that they eat, maybe twice a day for meat is they eat those old red hot dogs. And I don't think mm. sometimes they even warm them. Um, right. And, and that's the only thing that I know <laughs> that they eat. And, uh, okay. and uh you know, that little packed-up macaroni and cheese that comes in a little pack you put in the microwave, which has about 100 ingredients listed on the box. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, are, are my great-grandchildren just going to die with breast cancer or heart disease <laughs> before they get 10? Or when they get old enough to stop this, can they redeem themselves? or? <laughs>
2: Well, you know, that is an excellent question. And one that I struggle with, you know, I've got two boys and, you know, I say that they like to, uh, to just show out in terms of what they will eat because of what I do for a living. Uh, You know, they sometimes (laughs) don't make the best food choices either. And it can be very, very stressful. And, you know, Absolutely. We want to work on trying to, to change some of the things that they're eating, um, you know, offering some other things, maybe decreasing the portion sizes of some of those, because we do know that heart disease um, can kind of start in adolescence, right? That we can start to see some kind of fatty streak deposits and those kinds of things. But it's more than just, you know, just the food. It's the other parts of the lifestyle. Fiona, what what do you have to add to this?
0: I mean, I'm in agreement with you, the best, the best way to, uh, to do it is you as a parent who also knows the, um, the health implications. I mean, with, with kids, sometimes they really do grow out of um, the phase of eating, you know, just processed foods. And it's just a matter of being patient with them and into, introducing foods that we know um, are better for their bodies and better for their growth. Over time, sometimes you know you introduce the food now and they don't like it and you give them a chance to kind of just forget about it a little bit and then you come back to it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with you um, with what you said just to add that you know
2: you're and I think, to grow out of it mm-hmm. I hope so you know I, I, that's what I tell myself anyway that there's not there are very few like 35 year old adults who only eat uh, hot dogs. Now there's probably somebody out there, but, um, you know, what I like to do is at least offer something else. Right. So, um, you know, if, if, you know, my child is going to make a less than great choice, then, you know, also throw a fruit on the plate and, you know, it, it, you know, we're still getting some nutrition there. Hopefully we'll eat the fruit first. So we have less room for the, you know, the less healthy, Uh, option that's on there and then you may think about you know can we change the quality of of the type of of hot dog that they're eating right Right. you know and kind of go for one that is a little less processed um and has you know a little less content of some of those um uh nitrates and things like that in it that we know are not great for us um you know moving to a little bit you tried it?
1: <laughs> I tried to talk to their mother about it, but I don't think I got anywhere. Of course, I'm not in any control about what they eat or it wouldn't be that. Right, but, um, right. But I just wondered, you know, if I needed to get out a good life insurance policy for them or barrel policy. Oh, or get a no. or, what, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, no, I it's, it, you know, like,
2: yeah. they still have, a long,
1: yes, they have a long
0: way to go. They have a long way to go. Yes, they have a long way
2: to go. They have a long way to go. I
1: hope so. You know, yeah. I'm yes. really concerned. I really be concerned over it, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, in
0: it's school, good that remember with the school yeah. nutrition, they also mm-hmm. get to learn and they're exposed to and are, you know, are have a chance to take out right. other foods. So, over the course of going through the school, if the school system has uh, a good nutrition, sort of um, health, education, uh, food service um, right. system, that would be a, a good way to kind of move up along, even if it's not happening at home.
1: Oh, well, that's hopeful.
0: I can't.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, sometimes letting them pick something, you know, like Mm -hmm. taking them to the store and saying, okay, look at all of these things that are out here. You know, all of these fruits and veggies. Are there any, is there anything here that you would like to try? And so giving them some choice, um, you know, kids, especially, I think you said five and seven. Is that what you said? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're right in that stage where they're wanting to kind of assert their independence. You know, they're in mm-hmm. that I do it stage um, or I pick. And so, you know, forcing things on them is likely to be met with a lot of resistance, but kind of <laughs> allowing them to to pick something and not go overboard. Like we're not going to pick five things and take them home and right. with all of that spoils, but you know, one thing that we try and teaching them that it's okay to not like them, but mm-hmm. it's always a good idea to try it. You know, I let my kid okay. pick out this thing the other day. Um, and I knew he wasn't going to like it. Like I, I knew it was, it was not going to be good, but he wanted to try it. We got it. He did not like it, but we talked about the fact that, yay, yeah, you tried it. Some people uh-huh. like this. I don't particularly like it. You didn't like it, but it doesn't keep us from trying things that ultimately we we will like so you know it's a journey it's a journey and you know we just (laughs) you know the other important thing is that we speak to our children um, about food in a non kind of judgmental way uh, because Uh we don't want to set them up to have an unhealthy relationship with the food you know that's what I see when patients when adults get to me in clinic is that you know the way they were spoken to um or mm-hmm. even the way that their food was treated as they were when they were mm-hmm. younger has really set them up for some bad issues um mm-hmm. with food and you know so uh, and that's much much harder to unpack and and kind of fix later on in life so you know it's just food okay. food we need to eat uh-huh. more of food we need to eat less of
3: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Mm -hmm.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit, on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. My guest today is Dr. Fiona Lewis, and we've been talking about food and, in particular, how food relates to cancer risk and breast cancer risk. Now, before the break, um, we talked about swapping animal-based proteins, in particular red meat and processed meat, for plant-based proteins. What what are plant proteins? Because I know before I moved to a plant-based diet, I know I was one of those uh, people who asked other plant-based eaters, where do you get your protein? And now I realize how annoying that was. And I'm sorry I asked that question. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm like, oh man, I was obnoxious. But that's okay. You know, we're when we're taught about food groups, the protein group usually has just animal-based things in it when we're taught that. You know, we're taught, you know, uh, red meat, chicken, fish, eggs, dairy, you know. And so that's kind of ingrained in us, and we don't really realize that there are proteins in lots of other foods, but there are plant foods that are very, very rich in protein. What are those?
0: Sure. Those are um, legumes, and I'll unpack that. Those are uh, beans and peas and lentils. Uh, chickpeas, um, black beans, uh, those are nuts. Peanuts, part of the part of the uh, lentil um, legume group, and then there are nuts and seeds. Um, you pick your choice, whatever you'd like. And then there's all the whole grains. So part of part of the reason why we don't want to um, have refined grains is because you know it comes with vitamins and minerals. And the whole grains also, like quinoa and brown rice, and um, Millets, millets, and um, some other whole grains they come packaged with protein as well. So the pasta I was referring to, per serving, um, there's about seven grams of protein in a serving. And the serving would vary between like a third of a cup to a cup. So even in the pasta, because it's made with the whole um, wheat, there is some protein in there. So uh, the notion that the protein is just like a hunk of protein like you were describing it's like a piece of chicken that doesn't really Mm -hmm. work for plant-based eating because you know nature is so beautiful god is so beautiful that he made when he made the plant food he also put some protein up in up up in some of those plant foods
2: (laughs) and the the green vegetables as well you know i mean we tend to not think about it but But a lot of the the regular, you know, vegetables have protein in them. So when you eat, um, you know, a a well-balanced plate, you get enough protein, Mm -hmm. which I think is a a concept that some people have trouble with because the protein content of those foods is lower when you compare it to the protein content of its animal-based counterpart. You know, if you compare chicken breast to black beans. There's more protein in the chicken breast. But do we need that amount of protein is is the the question that that comes into place, because most of us consume well above the level of protein that we actually need for overall, you know, overall health. Um, We do have a caller on the line. So we'll go um, to Mobile and talk with Mikey. Good morning,
4: Mikey. Hey, good morning. I'm so glad that you're doing this show and, and hey, I am number one in line for the uh plant based protein stuff. Yay! It, really, it really works great. And if anybody wants to try a really good hot dog, which I have on occasion, but I kinda i t- I'm I'm at the age where I'm beginning to watch the salt, you know. that uh, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but the smart dogs are fantastic. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah uh, mm-hmm. but my my question this morning is regarding um milk and coffee now and, and I guess chocolate also can be put into that. I remember reading years ago that um that, that chocolate and uh, caffeine uh, cancel out the calcium absorption of, of milk, and the other thing that I also read is that um when you add milk to uh, coffee. That it uh, cancels out the um, uh, oh, what's the word phyto something others the good the good things that you get from coffee
2: <laughs> ah okay gotcha gotcha now I am Fiona you may know more about it than me I don't necessarily know about the caffeine stopping the absorption of calcium do you know anything about that
0: no I do not I'm wondering if if she's referring to um, high levels of caffeine leaching some calcium out from, from the, the body. That's, yeah right yeah. that's that's the only thing I can think about other than that I'm I, I got nothing
2: yeah that that's the only kind of correlation that I know about between kind of caffeine and and calcium right, um, right. intake there um, so that's why you know caffeine intake should be definitely in moderation we do know that there are some health benefits to things like coffee and tea and those kinds of things but you can get those without uh caffeine now full interest of disclosure i'm gonna have my caffeinated coffee in the morning or nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be around me ask my That's children true, if true. you're uh, <laughs> if you're not sure um you know Now, um, the the phytochemicals and things like that that are in plant-based foods, you know, are they kind of um, canceled out with, you know, things like dairy? And I think it's important to think about the fact that, you know, dairy is not actually, you know, necessary um, and that it can kind of increase inflammation in some folks. And a lot of times we choose dairy products for calcium, but there are certainly non-dairy-based sources of Uh, of calcium that we can kind of talk about. For my coffee, I actually use um, oat milk is what goes in, in my coffee because it's nice and creamy. And so it gives it that same kind of consistency as, um, as a, you know, an actual dairy milk. Um, Sometimes I'll, I'll use a, um, uh, an almond milk creamer, but that's a little bit thinner uh, and kind of curdles a little bit if the coffee's super hot. Um. So that's not the most appetizing. So I tend to stick with a an oat milk or a soy milk um, creamer there. All right. We are very close to running out of time. So um, Fiona, I think the question I want to ask then is the the pushback I get the most from folks when they're talking about adding beans or swapping beans is that it gives you uh, gas or stomach aches. That is the number one thing that people. People tell me so. Are there any kind of chef or nutritionist uh, hacks to keep that from happening? <laughs> well, I would
0: I would say really, it's you know you have to give it some time. So number one, don't just start eating a bunch of it, um, right? <laughs> because your gut micro your, your gut microbiome has to get used to the increased amount of fiber. So one tip would be like drink a lot of water. Um, mm-hmm. Once you start adding the, the uh, beans and whatnot to your diet. The second thing is definitely soak them. Um, some people find that if they put a little bit of, um, just a tiny bit of baking uh, soda, that will help with soaking overnight and then uh, discarding the water um, definitely helps. Um, and uh, those are my two top tips, actually. Those are my two top yeah. tips. Go slow make sure you're getting a lot of water and definitely soaking them overnight and discarding the water.
2: Absolutely. And I'll throw one extra one in there because if you're lazy like me, you're choosing canned beans uh, (laughs) some of the time. (laughs) And so making sure you rinse and drain those really well um, as well. There's a lot of There's a lot of sodium usually, and a lot of starch, and a lot of other things that have been kind of leached out of the beans in those cans that can give you bloating and gas and those kinds of things. And so, making sure you drain those and rinse them really well is kind of the third tip there. But absolutely go slow. You don't have to overhaul your diet overnight. Think about one meat free meal a week and build on it from there. I'm
3: Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio.